Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Holy Week Thursday. Um, hope you guys are ready because we're going to do a bit of a deep dive into um, a little bit of my favorite villain character of the Bible, Pontius Pilate. We're going to be talking a little bit about and we're going to kind of study him um, and, and his interactions, what his motives were, uh, and also some mythology with him. Like there's a lot of extra mythology, like where he came from and, and what happened to Pilate even after, uh, it, you know, his whole uh, ordeal with Jesus um, in the in the judgment portion of it. Uh, so we're going to kind of look at all of that to, together um, as we read a portion of John uh, this morning, and it's going to be hopefully enlightening to us and really getting to see a little bit more in depth of all that Pilate really kind of had to go through uh, and really didn't uh, understand more of the issues that he was facing uh, and how we can not really sympathize, but basically see ourselves in those shoes as well. So uh, let us pray and then let us get into the word in John 18, uh, that portion of scripture, and then let's see what God has for us this morning. Um, Lord, we just thank you uh, for this time. We thank you for this uh, platform for so many of us uh, to be able to gather in the morning, to be able to come together and uh, and just read your word and, and relish in what you have for us each and every morning um, on this Zoom. Lord, we just, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, your correction, your inspiration, your uh, your guidance, and your encouragement, your, uh, your wisdom into our lives. Uh, I surrender my tongue. May this be your word and not my own. Uh, Lord, we just pray and hope to hear from you in our hearts and in our minds and guiding us as we come together to celebrate your death and death of sin and resurrection of life, Lord, and bring us all a resurrection in our hearts today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Come on. So we are in John 18 and we are starting in verse 28, but I'm going to add a little bit further. We're going to kind of look into um, also, John 19, because there's also some further interaction in, in there uh, with Pontius Pilate and Jesus in here. John does the best description uh, and the more detail and gives us more insight than the other three Gospels, our synoptic Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, that's what those are. And then John is this extra gospel that gives us so much other depth and different stories and look at what Christ had to go through. Um, so here we go, starting in verse 28, John 18, verse 28. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the Praetorium. And it was early morning. 
but they themselves did not go into the praetorium, uh, lest they should be defiled, but, <clears throat> but that they might eat the Passover, all right? So we're saying that uh, the, the Pharisees could not step into uh, that area that, that was Roman control, and if that would defile them going into um, unclean area, physically stepping into it, and they wouldn't be able to be uh, partaking, they would be unclean, and they could not partake in uh, Passovers, just so give you a little clarity on that. Uh, Pilate then went out to them and said, what <clears throat> accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, if you are not an evildoer, we would not have, if he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to him, you take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore, the Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by which the death he would die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again called Jesus and said to him, are you king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, are you speaking for yourself about this or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born and for this cause I have come into this world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And where <clears throat> he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. The word of the Lord. So that ends the portion of soap that we're focusing on, but really kind of looking at Pilate himself and all that he had to go through. Um, we see that later in here, he talks about, I'm going to give up, uh, you know, you can either have Jesus or you can have uh, Barabbas. Um, and he does that ritual of normally giving up one uh, prisoner to back to the Jewish community as like a token uh, that was a tradition that was uh, developed between the Romans and them. And then Pilate has him scourged. Has Jesus scourged after that encounter that we just read? And then he comes back to Pilate again. And starting in, uh, in 19, verse 7, then the Jews answer, we have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more afraid and <clears throat> went into the praetorium and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and the power to release you? 
Jesus answered, this is huge. You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. The big, here, big thing in here is we have to see is that how this fulfilled prophecy and, and that ultimately um, when we really study this properly, it's not the Jews legalistically they're trying to get around around away from it and put it in the hands of the romans and so legally in a worldly legal way the romans were the ones that did everything they're the ones that scourged jesus so the amount of actual lashings could exceed 30 um 32 lashes they could exceed that number because that was only a Jewish um, number or uh, amount of scourgings that he could have. He could actually go beyond that and po possibly did with the uh, brutality in which Romans normally afflicted people. And also the crucifixion of Jesus was then therefore fully done by Pontius Pilate and said, okay, fine, I'll do it by caving in and hearing everyone saying crucify and crucify him as he continues on going jumping down to 19 verse 15 but they cried out away with him away with him crucify him Pilate said to them shall i crucify your king the chief priests answered we have no king but caesar and then he pontius Pilate, that is he delivered him jesus to be crucified then they took Jesus and led him away. So the full thing was done by Pontius Pilate. But, so backing up, where does Pilate come from? He is of this Roman uh, system that is being brought up, and he's the, now the prefect of this province or, uh, if you will, region that is Judea. Uh, the Romans had multiple regions and everything else, right? The Romans were extremely good at being able to not only conquer territory, but maintain it and hold it. Their organizational skills and being able to uh, have this military structure uh, for governance, for rule of law, and for military power was unlike anything the world had seen up until that time. Rome was so effective in this and being able to do it. Part of their system was taken upon by uh, how Alexander the Great did it, but they perfected it, if you will. So Pilate, there's a couple, uh, there's not really like a clear document that says this is, you know, Pilate's birth certificate and all this kind of stuff. So there's three potential origin stories of where Pilate kind of grew up and where he came from. One of them is that he was uh, born in Rome or in the suburbs of Rome in the hill countries uh, right around there. Born of a mixture of both Italian or Roman blood and Spanish blood. So either his parents were, uh, one was Rome and one was from Spain um, or, uh, or whichever way that that worked out. Uh, there's another one where he was of Italian or Roman parents but they were in Spain at the time, and he was born in Spain and grew up there in Spain under um, actual Roman parents, but still a Roman citizen because of his parents' lineage. 
And the, the third wild one is that he was born way up in Germany somewhere um, and, and lived out there and, uh, and then came into, um, came into Rome and got into the military system uh, somehow that way. Uh, and that's like the least accepted uh, of what it is. But there's definitely a, a general consensus that, and there's some documents that they're not 100% sure on um, accuracy if they are legitimate, but there's even the Vatican holds on to a document that is believed or potentially um, a document that Pontius Pilate wrote himself to, the, to Caesar, um, to Tiberius at the time of the full account and the judgment of Christ and what went on. Um, there's some historians that think it was um, made up, and then there's some historians that think it actually is pretty real, uh, and the Vatican feels that it's uh, good enough and holy enough to hold on to in their library. So that's where it, uh, the original kind of currently sits. Um, and he in there does speak of having Spanish blood. Um, so that's where we get like he was partially that. Uh, you see that in this system, it's this weird mix like we have in our understanding of how things work here in the United States, you have a political system and that's and you're purely political. Maybe you were in the uh, legal system. A lot of uh, our politicians were had lawyer backgrounds or were judges or something like that in, in uh, previous jobs before they decided to take political office. Um, maybe some were veterans of some point or whatever. And then, but really then you see the other side of this very military, right? You all the military officers up to being generals and they very focus on strategic national defense and uh, things of that nature. And it's very more uh, divided into that and in how we operate. But Rome really, you were growing up in this system uh, to rise to power that was potentially if you continue to rise in the ranks, um, you could be uh, thought of as the next Caesar at some point. And, and so being a prefect of a area of a region like Judea or Syria or Egypt or any other uh, um, region that Rome had was one of those major stepping stones and a close stepping stone to being considered for the next Caesar uh, after Tiberius, right? And Tiberius was the Caesar at the time. And so uh, this job had a, a mixture of both, of all three political, military, and judge, judge or slash lawyer. You, ha you had the power to do all of it. It wasn't uh, divided amongst three different people. You had all of that responsibility all at the same time uh, in this system. And so Pontius Pilate was, you see that he's considering his political issues. He's considering the political relationship with uh, the Jews and the Pharisees. Um, they're always just nagging at his feet, these little uh, annoying chihuahuas biting at his ankles all the time, you know, complaining about Jesus. And he's just, he's actually very frustrated probably with um the Pharisees, but he has to deal with them. They're like this necessary evil in his eyes to having to deal with on a constant and being the prefect of Judea. Judea was a specific region that uh, in getting that assignment, it was not really the most glamorous one. It was the one that probably 
if you were sitting around the table around your peers and everyone was getting their prefix orders for what region you were going to get, it was the least desired of there because they knew of all of the little bickering and issues that these Pharisees and these priests would come and, and bug him with uh, and what previous prefix had to deal with and that uh, nothing ever satisfied them and it was always an issue. And so you dreamed of getting Egypt, you dreamed of even getting Syria or some other area uh, as an assignment uh, before you moved on to the next uh, phase in your, in your career path. But this is something that at a, this point, you've been working decades for. This is a career ambitious goal that you've been working the majority of your life for. This, this has been probably something as, you know, a young warrior, um, think of it in your 20s, and you're just, you're going through this system, and you're just like, wow, I, I have dr big dreams and aspirations. I want to be great one day. I want to do all of this and keep moving up this Roman system. This is what he has been going through for multiple years into getting into this position, but unfortunately, in his eyes, unfortunately, he gets Judea. And just at such a time as this, as we love to say here, he is the prefect when Jesus is on this earth. We have this time where it's basically a crossroads. We have a crossroads of wanting to go your path your destiny. You've been doing this for so long. Your life dreams are getting closer and closer. You're reaching this pinnacle in your career and potentially to meet the other pinnacle of being, you know, Caesar one day. You're, you're moving along and you're trying your best to get to where you can and hopefully you'll be Caesar one day. But God steps in and you reach this crossroads in what happens here, God literally, in our lives, it's, it's more of a situational thing, but here it is physical. God steps in front of Pilate. And Pilate basically understands this. In some of these extra biblical things that Pilate has been having and knows information on Jesus. You don't get to be prefect. You don't get to own all of this territory. Rome doesn't control one of the largest empires in the world and not be masters of information. They're masters of understanding what is going on in their area and getting uh, detailed information. He's got people in his corner that are giving him trusted advisory information that go about and they they just are mixing in with the population. They're mixing in with people in the marketplace. They're, um, they're just uh, hearing all of the little sayings that people are chatting with in the marketplace and in the square and next to the temple and all of these certain key areas that they can get information from. Pilate has been watching Jesus all throughout as long as he's been coming into Jerusalem. Pilate is not going, when he says, when he looks at him and is like, what accusation do you bring against this man? It's not as if he's never heard of or seen Jesus before. It's 
I never experienced or witnessed or seen or heard or any information that has told me this man has done anything against Rome or anything that would be against the laws in which I have to govern and uphold. There's nothing here. Why are you bringing this guy to me? What is it that you're so complaining about now? We all can kind of relate with that where there's been somebody either at our work or maybe it's our kids or something like, why are you complaining to me now? Why are you bringing this problem to me now? Why is this like, I, I just, why can't you leave this poor guy alone? Pilate understands this and he's having this conversation and, and trying to poke at Jesus and figure something out. And, and he's trying to, you know, he's doing this crazy balancing act between I have to keep the peace. I have to do some kind of pleasing act to make sure that we don't have riots. This is Passover. This is a big festival, but this is also when emotions run so high in the Jewish community that he's kind of walking on eggshells here balance of keeping the peace so also he is looked at favorably by his upper uh, management by Tiberius by Caesar by all of those that would also report on how he's doing to say yeah, he's managing this well or not and he's just worried about all of this stuff but this crossroads hits him in the face where Jesus comes in front of him. And we have all been at that crossroads. And today we get to rejoice in Easter because guess what? We answered that crossroads in our lives. We answered that point where we were on a path that we wanted in our lives. And it came about that God stepped in front of us. That God said, what are you doing? I'm right here. What are you going to do now? But here we have a very specific mission that's going on. We have a specific trial that's going on. We didn't have to face that in our lives, though. We just had to receive what God was stepping into our lives. And that's the beauty and the wonder and the amazement that we get to relish in because of this story, because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago through this trial. We didn't have to have a crossroads moment like this, but we've all had that crossroads moment. We've all had that point where we were in a trajectory in our lives that we thought was best for us, that we thought was best, but God was brought in front of us. And the sad part is, is actually we didn't choose to crucify him. We had already been crucifying him. He had already done that job to pay for the sins in which we had been and sometimes still commit to this day. And we're all a little bit of Pontius Pilate, if you will, 
but Pilate got to do something. And here's a perspective I want us to kind of also look at that unknowingly, Pilate was the first New Testament priest. I see some faces like, what, a priest? Pilate was God's chosen priest to offer up the sacrifice. The actual high priest gave over that duty. He offered him up and didn't want anything to do with Jesus, but just wanted him dead. Didn't care how, didn't understand why. Just he, they were power hungry. But Pilate, in God's will, and how God orchestrated this, ultimately, for was the priest of the world for both Jew and Gentile in being able to perform the first massive Eucharist by giving up his body and his blood. There is in this book, and because I got to do a wonderful um, paper on Pilate, it's just, it's just so fascinating getting to read this. There's a statement. Pilate also became, in a way, the first priest of the Eucharist of Christ. Christ offered the bread and wine as symbols of his body and blood, but Pilate offered Christ himself. He took him, showed him to the people, proclaimed who he is, and then broke him for us all. In such a crazy way, the first trial of Jesus, just like the first part of a mass in, in Catholic services or whatever, was the establishment of Christ's claims and credentials. The second part was the sacrifice itself for which Pilate prepared by washing his hands. Pilate, that washing of hands where it was in the other gospels where he says, I wash my hands of this, this these sins are on you not on me. That was not a Roman thing. He was doing that because that related to the Jewish culture to wash their hands. That was not of a Roman culture to do that. He did that as a way of trying to relate to the Jewish population around him and saying, I'm washing my hands of this because he would see that during ritual sacrifices that that was part of what Jewish priests had to do in this. And so almost unknowingly, Pilate was the first New Testament priest to offer up the ultimate sacrifice and to perform the ritual in which today we get to remember and so tomorrow is Good Friday. Tomorrow is where we get to celebrate, and it sounds so weird, celebrate the death of Christ. But really, it's the death of our sin. It's the death of being eternally separated from our Lord. It's the death of all that keeps us out of that relationship with our Father. And that's why it is Good Friday tomorrow. It is a good death. 
No death, where is your sting? Because Christ has conquered that. And Pilate played such an extraordinary and at the time unknowingly role of being that ultimate priest. Such an amazing way and visual that God works in our lives, that even he uses us in such a way that even when we are unknowingly part of his will and part of his plan, he still uses the things that we do to fulfill his will. Even when we realize and look back in our lives that we messed up, that's part of the story. That's part of the redemption story. That's part of the resurrection story in our lives in which Christ has been a part of. So when somebody looks back on your life and sees mistakes, but then sees where you are now, those mistakes are used as a positive testimony to being brought to Christ, to being seen to all that God's goodness and transformation and uplifting and resurrection in each of our lives and the power he has in our hearts. God uses all things that are meant for evil, for good, for those who love him. So as we jump into Easter coming up, as we jump into Good Friday tomorrow, I pray that all of us have a time of prayer and reflection, that we all have a time to understand why we are going to church, why we are celebrating so much, and why we should be celebrating just like it's Easter every week of our lives. In that don't be shameful of your past. Don't even hide it. Don't even be too worried about it. Because those actions and those things, yeah, they could have been sinful. They could have been problems. They could have been traps and snares and temptations and issues in your life that were so hard to get out of, but they are part of your testimony that is bringing the resurrection of Jesus in your life and bringing you to him and showing more and more people of the power and the goodness of Jesus Christ. Your testimony is powerful. Your testimony is part of the ongoing gospel story of Jesus that brings transformation, brings more people into the kingdom of God, and does exactly what Jesus wants to happen. You are still accomplishing his will. Because our Father is that that good and so, so loving and so, so merciful and graceful. You have fresh grace and mercy falling on you this morning. No matter what you've done, no matter what judgments you've made, they're being made and being used for good. One of the last myths I want to say about Pontius Pilate going forward is That Pilate was actually one of, one of the first Gentile disciples of Jesus later on. That there's a, uh, another story of him and his family 
Um, that kind of talk about, uh, yeah. And that later, um, they're worried about Stephen. There, this is when Stephen gets uh, stoned, and this is when Stephen is um, is then a Christian martyr, one of the first ones. And they actually, uh, the Pharisees are so disturbed by this new Christ movement after Jesus's resurrection, and that they are all that Peter is preaching the gospel, preaching the resurrection, preaching Jesus's goodness, and that he is the Messiah in, in the temple, and that they stone Stephen, but Pontius Pilate is like, you made me crucify the innocent one. Why rage against this man? Why gnash your teeth? Are you still mad? As he's talking to uh <clears throat> the Pharisees, having, and then here's what it talks about what he did. Having failed to pursue the governor, the Jews took Stephen away and stoned him. Meanwhile, Pilate called his wife and two children, and they baptized one another. Having done this, still damp with holy water, they joined the crowd of believers surrounding Stephen and tried to protect him from the stones, but their efforts failed is one of many potential stories and myths or areas where Pilate recognized the crossroads in which he was placed. Pilate recognized who was placed in front of him. And he listened also to his wife and to a point of listening, of just recognizing that she had a dream of who Jesus is. Now, he didn't listen to saying, don't have anything to do with him, but he remembered and seeing all that happened, seeing the earthquake, seeing the skies darken when he passed away and hearing and knowing of the curtain in the temple that tore from the top down. The name of, uh, potentially the name of that soldier in which said truly this was the son of God on Calvary was uh, Manulus and Pilate remembers his statement as well in a potential uh, document that he wrote. Pilate is one of those that later in potential history and mythology was a follower of Jesus later on and proclaimed Christ to Caesar and there's also a potential myth that him and his wife had their heads removed as well for proclaiming Christ and for proclaiming, uh, for downplaying Caesar and downplaying all of the gods of Rome and proclaiming one God, Jesus Christ. And so today, as we remember the crossroads we all were in in our lives, and we remember when God stepped in front of us as we get closer to Holy Week and remember the goodness of Good Friday tomorrow. How is your walk with Christ? 
Is it worthy of mythology? Is it worthy of legend? Is generations from now going to remember how you walked with Jesus in your faith journey? Are people going to have different stories of your outwardly, boldly proclamation of Jesus as Lord and Savior? How are other generations going to remember you as a Christian? So today, as we jump into Easter and as we jump into such a time of celebration as the church, may we also reflect on how is our walk today? How are we following Jesus? And is it going to be remembered generations from now? So I can't wait to see you all this weekend. It's going to be amazing. We're going to have so much fun on all of the services that we have coming up, starting with Good Friday. And I'm excited to hear what the sermon is, because remember, Good Friday is a separate sermon from Easter Saturday and Sunday services. So you don't want to miss Good Friday, uh, 4.30 and 6 o'clock on Friday uh, at both locations. So um, let us pray and let us go about and have a wonderful Thursday. Lord, we just thank you this morning. We thank you for uh, the example that even we can foresee, we can, we can pull out of your word, Lord, out of what you even used, the Gentile that is Pontius Pilate. We, looking at all of the conflict and issues and the, and the balancing act that he was trying to do in his own earthly way that you so perfectly orchestrated that even him unknowingly was that priest offering up the perfect sacrifice, performing the ritual of offering it up and performing that first public Eucharist that we are reflecting and remembering this weekend, Lord. We thank you for all that is that you do in our lives, all that you have done in our hearts and in our minds, and may our walk with you be very evident to those around us. May it be of memory, and may our walk be something that people are talking about for generations to come and pointing to you and your name, the name that is above every other name, and that is Jesus Christ. We love you, and we pray all this in your name. Amen and amen.